Long before time began, it's steady marching on. Even then, there was God. And when the heavens vanish and this old world is gone, day when God 
Um, so first off, Natasha is my niece. She married um, our nephew, Josh. And I'm just going to read her uh, bio for you. She grew up in a Christian home and was saved at 12 years old. Uh, she knew shortly after that that the Lord wanted her to be in full-time ministry in one way or another. Her family began to attend Lakewood Baptist Temple in 1998, where Josh and, and she met as teenagers in the youth group shortly after that. Then they went on to Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City from 2001 to 2005. They got married in July of 2005 after their graduation. They're both blessed to be able to come back to their home church, which was Lakewood Baptist Temple, straight out of college. And they have been on staff wearing many different hats um, since then. And then Josh became the pastor uh, May of 2014. God has blessed them with five children, three girls, two boys, ranging from four to 15. And we'll ask her to tell you their names in a minute. And we do have a picture we'll put up. And you see it in the, in the bulletin. So they're so thankful to, to be able to serve the Lord uh, with their lives. And so at this time, I'm going to ask Natasha to come forward. if the pictures okay I'll tell you about my kids I have my oldest my firstborn yeah there they are good Brooklyn could you stand up please this is our firstborn our wonderful daughter Brooklyn she's 15 and a half the and a half makes a big difference yes um, we just had the half this this month I mean, not that we, like, celebrate half birthdays, but they're always in my head for some reason. I was like, this is a special day. Hers was the 12th, so anyways. Um, and then we have um, the second born is our son over there. This picture's over a year old, by the way. I'm sorry. We're so bad about taking family pictures. So I'm, like, scrolling. So this is the last one I could find in the orange shirt. I guess I can look there. That's so cool. I don't have to look up there. Um, in the orange shirt is our son, Christian. He just turned 13 last week. Next to him in the red dress is Hallie, Hallie Grace Knuff. She is our uh, dynamite comes in small packages child, <laughs> like little Miss Darla over here. I met her, and it was like, this is Hallie. <laughs> and then uh, next is between me and Brooklyn at the end there, Macy June. She is uh, seven. And then right in the middle is Ezekiel, and he just turned four. So that is our family and my husband, Josh, of course. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I'm going to be reading a lot because I'm not like a speaker who speaks, so <laughs> I wrote a lot of it out, um, but I'll still do my best to look up and make eye contact. Um, first, I want to say thank you so much, Mrs. Nolan, for inviting me to come. And um, I'm going to be transparent with you all. I've already told her this, and I think she shared with, with Pam. Um, when I received your text invitation, I had a twofold reaction. First, I felt like I was going to pass out. <laughs> and second, I just started laughing. And 
Um, my husband was with me, so if you ever get a chance to ask him, he can tell you that that's the <laughs> truth. Um, I don't know, or I know you all don't know me very well, and I'm so thankful to have gotten to meet most of you tonight already. And through tonight and tomorrow, I look forward to getting to know you better. But I'm not naturally someone who is comfortable speaking in front of people. Um, you all are blessed to have the Knuff family here at the church. And let me tell you, they are a family who has the speaking gene running strongly in their veins. <laughs> um, I've watched some of the videos that, that they've done online. And they're such a blessing to me from afar. They're so calm and composed. And I'm like, wow, I wish I was like that. <laughs> so you guys really have been a blessing to me. I love watching your interviews. And um, you sharing the gospel on the internet is such a blessing. Since I'm just married in to the Kanaf family, not born into it, I don't have the gene. But God convicted me very quickly after my initial response of like, ha ha, and I'm, I'm going to faint, oops, sorry. Um, convicted me very strongly, honestly, that I needed to accept it. Because um, if we only ever did things that we're comfortable doing, then we wouldn't be reminded how much we need the Lord, right? So... Um, I knew the Lord wanted me to say yes, so I'm thankful to be here. It's been good for me to prepare these couple of lessons, so even if no one else gets anything out of it, which I hope you do, it's really helped me a lot, forced me to really get into God's Word and spend more time than I normally do, which is never a bad thing. Okay, so what we'll be talking about tonight is weights and sins. W-E-I-G-H-T-S, weights, not W-A-I-T-S. Um, I'd like you to ask you to turn in your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12, please. While you're turning, I want to ask, do we have any runners in here? I see the fingers pointing back there. Darla and Pammy, you run. I see a finger back there. You run. You like to run? Good. Um, let me flip the question and ask, who hates running? <laughs> who hates running? Raise your hand. <laughs> yes. I admire runners, but let me tell you, I've tried a couple times, and I sympathize and empathize with the people in that movie we watched tonight who said, um, this is terrible. Who would want to do this? And the wife said, um, I think it's about endurance, sweetie, or something like that. But it hurts. You know, it hurts to breathe. Um, you just get so tired. Your muscles want to stop. I love walking, though. Do we have people who like to walk? Yeah. Yes. Right now you'd have to do it at about 4 a.m. <laughs> maybe <laughs> to not be burning up. But, yeah, I love walking. I was sharing with Mrs. Nolan today. My husband and I have started doing a lot of walking together in our area, jogging when we can, and I just love it. All right. Um, so the writer of Hebrews, who we believe to be Paul, it doesn't say really clearly, but we believe it's him, he compares the Christian life to a race in this passage of Scripture, which was just blowing my mind watching the video tonight. I'm like, we're talking tonight about running in a race. Who, who was not here to see the movie? Okay. It was about running. Very inspirational. You need to watch it sometime. The Overcomer, I think, was the name of it. Wonderful movie. Um, 
Uh, so he compares the Christian life to a race in our passage of scripture. So we're going to be talking today about what runners need to do if they want to be victorious. Let's read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So we're running a battle um, in our spirit and in our minds, not with our flesh. Praise the Lord. <laughs> um, I want you to notice that he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Serious runners do not want to carry a single ounce of extra weight. Swimmers, even male swimmers, shave their legs to avoid any unnecessary resistance. I've always thought that is such a funny fact that guys who want to swim and run, I mean swim and, well, that would be like triathlon, running and swimming and riding a bike or something. But people who are serious about being the fastest, doing the best job that they could possibly do, you know, they pin their hair back in these little speedo hats and um, shave their legs and everything. They don't want any unnecessary resistance. Now, we all know that sin is bad, right? Okay. There are some things we just know we shouldn't be doing. I won't be able to say all of them um, just off the top of my head, but um, lying, that's an outright sin. The Bible says, don't lie, or thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Um, stealing, cheating, gossiping. told you I would bring that up tonight over here, my zeal gossiping, being mean and rude to people, being slothful or lazy, being proud, God hates pride, neglecting God's word and prayer. These are just some of the sins that we know we need to keep out of our lives. So if you do, if you're sitting here tonight and struggling with something like that, with pride, you know, like, I'm always just thinking, I'm the best for some reason, or um, I just want to look in the mirror again, or <laughs> um, if you struggle with gossiping or something like that, we're not going to be focusing on sins so much tonight, but if you know I'm dealing with this thing, I want to tell you, uh, don't hang on to that sin because you think, oh, that's just the way I am. That's super common in our culture right now, is to say, like, I just tell people that's the way it is, that's just how I am. That's not necessarily a good thing or a Christ-like quality. We need to be willing to um, get those things right, not to make excuses for ourselves. Instead, we need to confess and forsake our sins. So that's not what I'd like to spend our time on tonight, though. What I'd like for us to focus on is not the sins, but the weights. Okay, remember we're talking about running. He said, lay aside every weight. Now, a weight is not something that's necessarily sinful. We know it's something different from sin because the writer here said, lay aside every weight and 
the sin which doth so easily beset you. What is a weight? Strong's Concordance defines it as whatever is prominent protuberance or something like sticking out off of you, like a heavy thing on your back or something, a bulk, a mass, hence a burden or weight or encumbrance, something that is slowing you down is a weight. Spiritually speaking, I ask myself, what is it that slows me down? What is it that breaks my communication with the Lord? We are commanded to pray without ceasing, are we not? That's a command. We all understand that doesn't mean being on our knees, praying out loud 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's not what the Lord means when he told us to pray without ceasing. Rather, it is a matter of the heart. God consciousness, being aware that the Lord is there all the time, walking with us, um, talking in our hearts to us. Um, it's us being aware of him, asking him to guide our responses to people, to give us wisdom as we go from task to task throughout the day. So what is it that interrupts our constant communion with him? Where do our battles begin? Remember I said we're not running a physical race, but we're running one in our mind and spiritually, okay? Battles begin in the mind. So these weights that we're going to talk about, they pull at us. They tug at our minds. What is it that consumes your mind? What occupies your mind? Like right now, you might be thinking of something completely unrelated to us being here right now. Um, I'm going to share with you an embarrassing testimony. I have two embarrassing things I'm going to share with you in my lesson tonight. So just going to be totally transparent because I found God can get glory through even the dumbest things that we do. So here's my testimony about sugar, like sweets, okay? <laughs> when I was expecting our last child, Ezekiel, who's four years old now, I had, um, in into my pregnancy, I had a condition that made me have to stop eating sugar. I was not allowed any sugar. Do we have diabetics in here? Any diabetics? No? Okay. Well, I wasn't diabetic. But anyways, whatever I had going on was fed by the sugar. Um, some of you know about candida. It was so bad in my system. It was, it was presenting in the creases of my elbows, bright red, itchy, like, oh, itch to death. And under my nose, which made it a vanity thing, but I'm kind of thankful for that because it forced me to take it seriously. <laughs> so um, anyway, during that pregnancy, I had to stop eating sugar. And I did not know what a stronghold it had on me until I had to stop eating it. I would find myself thinking, like, as I'm washing dishes, what sweet thing can I eat next? Like, waking up in the morning, maybe I can have, I don't know waffles or a donut or something. It was always sweets, though, always sweets. My mom loves sweets. Her mom loves sweets. She said that I got, got it naturally through them. But anyways, um, I did not know um, what a hold that had on me, even mentally, until I had to give it up. It was like calling my name all the time. So while we're talking, if I bring up specific topics um, and your flesh goes, 
no, my precious, like, I do not want to give that up, okay? Then there's a really good chance that that thing has become a weight to you or maybe even crossed the line into sin territory. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, it could be, I just want one more cup of coffee, <laughs> one more cup of tea. Uh, just real quick, I want to see how that episode ends on whatever show that I'm into, even if it's a wholesome show, like without bad things in it. I just want to see how that ended. I just want to scroll through uh, through Facebook real quick. Um, I just want to watch one more baking show. That's one of my loves. Do we have, like, baker people in here? Yeah. I, like, live vicariously through them. Like, oh, I love it. Um, so our weights can actually become sins when they cross the line into idol, I-D-O-L, like Old Testament idols, idol territory. Just because we don't have statues that we in our homes bow down to and worship does not mean that there can't be idols in our lives. There are. It's not that they just disappear because we don't have statues. You know, they have to be something in our lives. <clears throat> Some questions to ask ourselves to determine if certain things have become idols or sins to us are these questions. How much time do we spend on them? Is it more time than we spend on the Lord? Do we crave it? Is your flesh just like, let me go so I can get back to my video game or get back to my episode I was watching? Um, it feels like it's calling to you, right? It's crazy, but things can do that. Is it difficult to deny yourself of that thing? Okay, I just heard a testimony recently of a professor at a Bible college who had a wonderful habit of reading his Bible in the morning. Part of his habit was driving to Dunkin' Donuts, which um, they lived not too far from their Dunkin' Donuts. So he'd take his Bible, get his coffee every morning, and sit there and read his Bible, which is wonderful, right? But he realized he was more consumed with getting that cup of coffee than he was with getting into God's word. And um, he realized that he, for him, it had become an idol to him and he needed to cut that out of his life. So this man stopped going to Dunkin' Donuts, made himself stay home and read his Bible without coffee until he felt like God's word, God was the treasure instead of like, I want my coffee. Doesn't that sound insane? But we are so like that. Um, let me find where I am. Um, is it a sin to go to Dunkin' Donuts? No. But for him, for this man, it had become one. And um, by God's grace, he realized it and um, surrendered that to the Lord. Our verse in Hebrews says, lay aside every weight. Um, you don't have to turn here, but Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will, that means wants to, come after me, let him deny himself, cling it, or hone into that phrase, deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So we have lay aside and we have deny himself. Okay, remember those two things. Could it be that in American Christianity today, 
we purposefully carry as many weights as we can get away with. Like, they're not sins. I'm right there with you, okay? My flesh craves a life of ease. I want to sail from comfort to comfort, from delicious thing to eat to full uninterrupted nights of sleep, and then on to pain-free and conflict-free days. Don't we all want that? (laughs) We know our salvation was by grace and that we don't have to work to keep it. So we don't feel pressured to lay aside our weights and our sins sometimes too. Could it be that rather than taking up our cross and following him, many of us just put our salvation in the category of blessings, like put it in the blessings box, I'm saved, thank you Lord, or just as one of the many comforts that we get to enjoy in our American lifestyle. And we don't even consider what he might want us to sacrifice for him. He is worthy of so much more. Sometimes what God wants for us and knows we need is some struggle. In fact, he desires that we choose it, like on purpose sometimes. (laughs) You know, fasting's in the Bible. That's not comfortable. (laughs) That is not comfortable. All right, Hebrews 12.1 says, lay aside. Matthew 16.24 said, deny himself. These are action verbs. They only happen if we do them on purpose. Our passage of scripture lays out three reasons we should run the race he has set before us well. Number one, he is worthy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 say, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, like you didn't get it yourself, God gave it to you. And ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hebrews 12, I'm going to read those verses again, um, starting about halfway through verse 1 through verse 3. Run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. He is worthy. Despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. He endured the cross for us. He endured it for the joy that was set before him. Do you know what, or I say, should say who the joy was? It was us that he might redeem us. That was his joy that made him, um, made it all worth it to him. You've heard nails didn't hold Jesus on the cross, love did. Well, it's true. We we were the joy that he was focusing on. Um, That's an amazing thought. He loves us so much. We were his prize that he was focusing on. He did it all for us. God's whole plan from creation to the sacrificial lamb in the garden to make a covering for Adam and Eve's sin, temporary covering. The Ten Commandments, his fulfilling of prophecy by the way he was born, lived, died, and rose again. His sending the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. It was all so that we might know him, so that he could be our comforter, our guide, and our friend, so we wouldn't have to walk this life alone. 
some of you will recognize these um, these lyrics. It's from the song At Calvary, but I just love it. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Before the foundation of the earth, he drew salvation's plan. He already knew before he created Adam and Eve, they were going to fall. We would be in a sin-cursed world, and it was it was still worth it to him. He still created us knowing that Jesus would have to die. He still went through with it because he wants to walk with you and me through life. He loves us so much. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Is he worthy of us laying aside some things for? Yes, he is. Nothing should be too precious for us to give up to our Lord. That was reason number one, he is worthy. Reason number two we see to lay aside every weight and sin is in light of those who have gone before. So how many of you have heard the preacher say, when you see the word wherefore, see what it's wherefore, sorry, it's therefore in scripture. When you see the word therefore, look to see what it's there for in scripture. Well, our passage today started with wherefore, but let's see what it's there for, not see what it's wherefore, but you know what I mean. Okay, so Hebrews 11 verses 32. Let's just start at 32 and then we're going to keep writing. So uh, the second reason to lay aside every weight and sin is in light of those who've gone before. Hebrews 12.1, remember, said, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's see what the great cloud of witnesses is, okay? Hebrews 11, start at 32. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak, of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. That's not little green monsters. That's like the people who didn't know God, okay? <laughs> Women received their dead, raised to life again and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Why? That they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise on this earth. They didn't receive the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, here's our context, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So this is the context of the verses we're looking at today. It is in the direct context of people just like you and me, they weren't superheroes, who through faith believed that Jesus was worth their very lives. 
Fox's Book of Martyrs gives the history of many Christians who have given their life in unfathomable ways. Um, singing to the Lord while tied to a stake, burning at the stake, but still singing and praising the Lord. The Bible says here, of whom the world was not worthy. The days of the martyrs aren't over. Today, in Syria and many other countries around the world, are real people, real families, who are just as precious as we believe ourselves and our loved ones to be, who are tortured and killed for no crime at all, but just for refusing to deny Jesus Christ. They esteem him worthy. There's a hymn that I'm sure you all know. It has an upbeat, happy feel to it. But there's a verse in this song that every time we sing it, it makes me um, sad and convicts my heart. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? And when the battle's over, we shall wear a crown? Every time I get to that part, I'm like, Oh, Lord, we are so not worthy. I am so not worthy. We're carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, like quite quite literally. You know, I know we have, no one's life is perfect. We all have our hardships. But compared to those who've gone before, and I still get to enjoy the pleasures of heaven and be in the presence of my Savior, even though my life was, relatively speaking, flowery beds of ease. God's grace is so great. But he's worthy of so much more from us. Does anyone remember the Columbine school shooting? It was, okay, good. Um, Terrible thing. I was still in high school at the time. I was probably 16, maybe 15 years old when that happened. Columbine High School. It was the first school shooting I remember in my lifetime. But it could be there were more, but I just wasn't aware of what was going on until that one. There was one girl, her name was Cassie Bernal, who became well-known. They wrote a little book about her um, after the Columbine shooting because of this. The people who were in the room and saw this happen told what happened. The gunman pointed the gun at her and asked, are you a Christian? Imagine yourself in that situation. She said yes, and I believe that she knew what what her answer would mean he he followed through and um uh there's little ones in here so you know um i was about 16 years old when i when i heard about that and in all honesty my heart longed for me to have the chance to die for the lord because i thought what revival that could bring to our youth group you know lord let that happen to me it's like Praise the Lord, as a teenager, I thought that way. Now, as a mom, it's a lot harder for me to think that way. Let me tell you, it is. Looking at my own children, I'm like singing the song, um, Whatever it takes to draw closer to you, Lord, that's what I'll be willing to do. You know that song? It's a lot harder for me to sing that song at this point in my life than when it than it was before I was married or had, had children. Um I don't want to sing songs like that unless I mean it, you know, and we shouldn't. Um, So at that time, that was, that was my heart. Lord, let me die for you. Use, use my life in that way to bring great revival to our youth group, to our church. But let me bring this down to um, something practical for us today, because we can't like 
will that to happen, nor should we want to, I think, but we should be willing if the day came. So here's where the rubber meets the road. Some people would say, let's get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> so it is much easier to say that we would die for the Lord than it is to live for him. It really is. It is much easier to surrender things we cannot see or we don't have or to surrender that we'll obey in a situation someday should we find ourselves in that situation. We should purpose in our hearts to obey in certain situations like Daniel did. Um, Young people, make a commitment. You're not going to be alone with anyone of the opposite gender. Make that commitment now because you can't trust yourself. Okay, until you get married. Can I get an amen from somebody? (laughs) It's wise, it's wisdom. We'll be talking about that tomorrow. (laughs) Um, So what is difficult is surrendering the things that we do have the ability to surrender right here and right now. Our time, our leisure, our comforts. God blesses so much, though, when we choose him. He wants us to choose him, to choose time with him. He is a jealous God, and he deserves to be a jealous God. All right, here's my humiliating testimony number two. (laughs) All right, this one is about baking shows. Yay. (laughs) All right, in 2021... Um, it didn't, so I was already a pastor's wife, okay, like a grown woman, this was only, oh, last year, is this 2020, so, yeah, so like 38 years old, okay, I would find myself, like, while I'm washing dishes, or, I don't know why, I use that example a lot, I guess it's because I wash dishes a lot, but Brooklyn washes them a lot for me, and I so appreciate it, honey, okay, um, whatever I was doing, it's like, I, I wanted to set up my phone in front of me so I could watch it, like, while I'm washing the dishes, which, I mean, it's not a sin, okay? It's, it's not a sin. Um, but it, honestly, it was consuming my mind, which is so ridiculous. Okay, let me just try to catch up to where I am. It didn't matter what I was doing. My mind was trying to find the next chance that I would have to watch the next episode. It was robbing God of his first place position in my heart. A baking show. Okay. Um, it's, it's empty. They're fun. They're entertaining. I appreciate it. I like HGTV too, you know. Um, but these things are not important. They don't build us up spiritually. When God helped me to recognize that it had become an idol for me, at first, I just tried to decrease it, but it was still calling me. (laughs) I'm like, I can't handle this. This It's like drugs. So I had to cut it out completely. Okay, like no more baking shows. This is so crazy. Like the Dunkin' Donuts guy, okay? Um, So I, I did. With God's help, I gave up my baking shows. <laughs> it's like, sorry, like um, an addict testimony. Um, 
the Lord helped me. And I'll tell you, the second half of 2021 was wonderful. I wasn't mad at my kids anymore for interrupting me when I was trying to watch my baking show. <laughs> um, my mind could focus like 100% on what I was doing, who I was talking to. It had just taken up so much, um, uh, not territory, what am I looking for? Um, real estate in my brain, so much real estate in my mind. All right, so real quick, let's look um, a little bit earlier in, in our passage. We're still in Hebrews, okay, um, at an example of someone who gave something up for God, something a little bit bigger than baking shows or sugar. I, I do eat sugar now, by the way. I got over it. I do watch baking shows sometimes now, by the way. I had to, um, <laughs> but I, that was a serious hold on me. I don't want to make too much light of it. It really was. It was serious. And I bet there's something in each of us here today. So please take it serious. Seriously. All right. Hebrews 11:24 through 27 says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Why? Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So looking unto Jesus, okay? Jewish tradition says that Moses would likely have been the next one to wear the crown in Egypt if he had stayed in the palace. So he gave up a lot. Comforts, pleasures, a life of ease. Um, as seeing him who is invisible, looking forward. Now, Jesus wasn't physically on the scene yet, but um, Jehovah, he had his eyes on something greater. Verse 26, I want you to notice, says that he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He knew there was something far greater to give his life to, and he knew something of a reward that would be given to him. How much he knew, what he knew, we don't know, but he knew there was a reward in it. So <clears throat> we talked about the martyrs. We talked about Moses. We talked about my baking show addiction. Um, these, these people, let's go back to martyrs and Moses, they were real people just like you and me. Um, they did not possess some kind of superhuman strength that made them just extra able to surrender these things or to not feel pain. They were just people. They just chose to trust the Lord, to deny themselves, and to follow him. So run well because he is worthy. Run well in light of those who have gone before. It can be done by God's grace. Okay, number three, we run. I, I'm always a little bit hesitant at, at this. Like, when the battle's over, we shall wear, wear a crown. I hate saying we shall wear a crown. I always say he shall wear a crown because I always think, like, when the Lord gives us rewards, we're just going to cast it right back at his feet, you know. But the Bible does talk of rewards. It does. So I don't want to just act like that's not there. So the number three reason is to obtain the prize. And it's not for us being greedy, but so that we might have something to give back to the Lord. Um, 1 Corinthians 
chapter 9, verses 24 through 27 say, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, or they all run, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth or agonizes for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, or in other words, I'm not running for no reason. I know why I'm running. It's with purpose. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. No, it's with purpose. Our race is with purpose. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That means disqualified from the race. It has nothing to do with losing our salvation, but losing reward. That's the context of that there. Um, this passage continues the context of a race. In a human race, there's only one winner. We know that in heaven, though, there's not only one prize given. However, we should run like there is. We should want to do our very best for the Lord. We have to be willing to lay aside things that slow us down. When Olympian athletes train, they sacrifice a lot of time, comforts, and foods. They sacrifice so much just to keep themselves qualified. You can become disqualified for a lot of things if you're going to go into the Olympic Games. They sacrifice a lot. Paul says that the man striving for the mastery, so striving is agonizing. That doesn't sound comfortable. Um, He is temperate in all things. Temperate means to be self-controlled. In a figure drawn from athletes, this is Bible times, who in preparing themselves for the games, there were games back then, like the Olympics, um, they abstained from unwholesome food, wine, and other indulgences. That's temperance. And this is not about, like, physical food. I'm not talking about that. Unless, like it was for me, it is for you. Like, it's crossed the line to a weight or even a sin. So that athlete keeps his body under subjection. He is in control of it. It is not in control of him. That doesn't sound like someone who allows their body whatever they want or their mind whatever they want at any time. Verse 27 says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. That word keep means I lead it captive. The greatest prize that I can imagine in heaven would be someday hearing the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I know there are crowns for various things. There's a martyr's crown, crown of righteousness, crown of rejoicing, the incorruptible crown, and I'm probably missing some. No matter what rewards we are given, we will no doubt wish that we had more to cast at his feet. When we're there face to face, with the Lord. So, what is slowing you down spiritually? What are some of your weights? Someone who is serious about trying to win a race, get their best time, like on the movie we watched tonight, someone who's serious is not going to hide heavy objects in their pockets. They're not going to strap on those strap onable weights that people use for training. No, when it's race time, like you cast those things off. You're not going to hide things. 
on you, know that can and will make a difference in the result. Remember, serious swimmers even shave their legs like boys. It's pretty serious, every way and sin. First um, Peter 4, 7 says, but the end of all things is at hand. We know Jesus is returning. Amen. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Sober in that verse means sound mind, to exercise self-control, to put a moderate estimate upon oneself. Don't think that our pleasure is the one all be all, we're not the most important thing. We're not. And the last part of the definition for sober is to curb one's passions. Not just running around trying to fulfill whatever it is that our flesh wants. May the Lord help us to be honest, to search our hearts, and to ask him to help us to identify some things that are weighing us down distracting our minds from that constant communion with him. I'm going to ask each of you right now to try to get one thing in your mind that could be something that pulls on you. Okay, I'll give you a minute, a few seconds. For most of us, it's pretty quick, but something that you can just feel it like calling your name. It's what you want to do when you have a chance. <clears throat> All right, what is pulling at your mind? No hands, please. <laughs> if I'm honest, most weights in our day right now, 2022, I didn't bring it up here. We hold in our hands about 50% of the day or it's on a big screen or a smaller screen. Most of the weights of our day, Satan is so smart. <laughs> He's crafty. Um, they're wrapped up in screens, some kind of screens. If I can just get back to my cell phone, just check my social media page, how many more people liked my post. Um, younger people, if I can get back to my video game, if I can just finish the series I'm watching, it's the, it's the finale, you know, it's tugging at my mind. A book I'm reading, okay, that's a lot more wholesome. Maybe there are bad books out there too. <laughs> but books can also be idols. Um, I can't wait to talk to my boyfriend. Now, you know, it's okay to develop relationships, and we should. That's of the Lord sometimes. But boyfriends can become idols. Oh, yes, they can. Okay. So what is your idol in your mind right now, your weight? I want you to imagine that somehow that thing is gone, and you can never have it again. Does that thought scare you okay if it's people um that's a little bit different from from what i'm from where i'm going like you shouldn't be okay with the thought of okay i'll never see my husband again I'm like no problem so people that's a little bit different um but like things okay shows and whatever does the thought of not having that anymore make you like no <laughs> um if it makes you feel panicked Chances are it has become an idol to you. Remember, God is a jealous God, and he wants us to be willing to surrender anything he asks of us. Okay, 
listen. I wrote listen, so I have to say listen. <laughs> but that sounds so bossy. <laughs> but I, I, I thought it, maybe under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, I don't know. <laughs> listen. <laughs> Those things become like drugs to us. It really does. Remember how consuming my baking shows were to me. The devil wants to keep us numb. Like a drug addict, if he can keep filling us up with vain, empty things, we will not feel our need for God. We'll feel satisfied enough if we keep shoving that junk in us often enough. What we need is communion with the Lord. Only he can truly satisfy. But if we choose to cling to our weights and sins, what we end up doing is numbing our hunger for God. We quench the Holy Spirit and we stop the work that he wants to do in us. We quit running the race. Like we're just choosing, I love my weights too much. If the Lord has shown you something that is a weight for you or even a sin that we talked about at the beginning or a difference and we didn't even talk about lay aside every weight and the sin so sins count too okay if the lord has shown you something don't cling on to it like i don't know if anyone's watched lord of the rings um but the smeagol golem guy like my precious that little ring you know um don't cling to those things you will be miserable there's pleasure in sin for a season so you'll enjoy it for a while but you'll be miserable and you won't be able to grow spiritually instead just surrender it remember nothing is too precious for our god now this is a really wonderful thought that was not original with me but when i heard it i it it was amazing to me wouldn't you like to know what it is? <laughs> okay. God never takes anything from us. He doesn't ask us to give up things to him. God is a debtor to no man. It's always an exchange. We don't always know what he will give us in return, but we do know that it is always better. It's always better. I love that love that all right jesus gave us our example of how to run the race victoriously he showed us how he did not focus on his pain instead he focused on the joy that was set before him which happens to be you and me our salvation if you've ever run you know you cannot focus in on your pain like it's hard to breathe. Oh, my legs hurt. Oh, I just want to stop. If you th entertain those thoughts very much, do you few runners in here, you're going to quit pretty fast, right? You have to zone your mind out to something else, like focus on the trees or the clouds or sing a song in your head, like go somewhere else mentally um, to keep running. Um, so you know you cannot focus in on your pain when you're running a race. You have to focus your mind somewhere else. Look unto Jesus. That uh, verse in Hebrews says, run with patience the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus. Um, real quick, I want to insert something. Um, the race that is set before us, we don't get to choose our own race. For each of us, our life looks different. 
our childhood looks very different. Um, none of us are the same, even within the same family, in the same household. None of us are the same, but God has set the race before us, and his grace is always sufficient. Um, the last thing I want you to notice in our passage in Hebrews is it says of Jesus that he is set down at the right hand of the Father. Does that sound like he's still running? Nope. He's set down. The race won't last forever. It won't last forever. Keep that end in mind. However, the reward will last forever. It will. The race won't last forever, but the reward will. They run to receive a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible Paul, again, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, which means race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So let's run our best for Jesus in light of the reward, not like greedy, but so we can have something to give to our Savior, to say thank you. Um, secondly, because of those who have gone before, and thirdly, but really that's first, is because he is worthy. Run with patience, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. But ladies, think about those weights, okay? I wanna leave you with that thought. Think about those weights. What is it that pulls at your mind? You just want to check real quick. Right now it's killing you. You can't look at your phone. For most of us, I know screens are involved. I know they are. Consider fasting from whatever it is, okay? If you're not brave enough or you don't feel like the Lord just wants you to cut it out. Sorry, I was done. This is all extra. If you don't feel like God just wants you to completely nix something, fast from it, okay? you will realize in fasting what a stronghold that thing has on your mind. And that's, that's very eye-opening. Um, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for your precious word that is a treasure trove. And um, if we seek, we will find. Lord, we'll find you. We'll find uh, wisdom from you. Lord, I thank you so much for each lady and each girl who's here this evening. Um, I do pray, Lord, that you would speak, um, continue speaking through your Holy Spirit to our hearts, myself included, Lord. Reveal to us where our weights are, Lord, what it is that really has become an idol and a sin in our own mind, what it is that's slowing us down. Lord, help us. You are worthy. Help us to cast off those weights so that we can run to please you, Lord, the race that you have set before us. Thank you, Lord, um, again for your word. Pray that you would bless the rest of our time here together. In Jesus' name I pray. 